I'm, I'm pretty positive I sent you the, uh, the, the Bloodborne uh, PS1 remake. I don't know if you... Let's see. You probably did. I feel like I've seen something like that before. But yeah, if you uh, if you haven't checked it out, you definitely should. It's uh, it's it's really fun, and it's um, of course it's a fan made mod, so you can just download it. I mean, theoretically speaking, you should be able to play it on a potato. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I I tried playing that a while back, and I need to give it another try. But man, I I was just I, and I knew going into it that it was like a it was a special game as far as like how hard it is but man i i just barely started playing it i was having a hard time staying alive um so i i need to go back and give it another world but yeah i i've heard i've heard really good things about the game it's like you know there, there's some like really hardcore fans of that of that particular game Oh, dude, oh. Bloodborne's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a From Software game, so it's going to be very, like, <laughs> you know, it's it's going to test your skills and your patience, apparently. Yeah, and your no. and your sanity. <laughs> your sanity. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I uh, I've been I, I got Paramount Plus the other day. I've been looking at um, just different things to watch, and I was like, oh, what's what's going on here, and. I don't know if you saw the trailer for the uh, the new Halo series. There's there's some mixed opinions about it, but uh, I, I at least want to give it a watch. But aside from that, there's a you know shows I've been trying to watch and uh, been binge watching NCIS a lot lately. But uh, um, I was also looking for something else to start, and I uh, decided to give Survivor a try, which I honest honest to goodness i've never watched that show before oh really um, you haven't no i haven't so i started watching the the i guess it's either the current or the latest season i don't remember i don't know if it's ended yet of this latest season but uh i watched like four episodes back to back and uh spent like three hours watching it so yeah i'm 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 into survivor i, I see why it's lasted 41 seasons <laughs> oh <laughs> I I am a sucker for those reality TV like competitions. Like I, I I used to be big into like The Biggest Loser back in the day and Celebrity Apprentice and and stuff like that. Regardless of how much of it was like actually real and how much was scripted, I just like seeing mm. the drama and like the the backstabbing and the scheming and stuff like that. So yeah, I will say my my guilty pleasure has always been um, you might you might have seen. I, it didn't really air for super long, but did you ever watch uh, Kitchen Nightmares? Uh, I've heard of that. Gordon Ramsay show. Yeah, but I've heard, I've heard I mean, of that. I mean, it all, a majority of it was very scripted. It was very, you know, kind of pieced together in certain sections. But, it, it, I mean, I, I more so just watched it to just watch Gordon scream at people. <laughs> um, that, was the, that was the real draw to it. But yeah. You, then you just see all these disgusting, awful, <laughs> like, basically what could exist in your uh, local restaurant, essentially. Um, yeah, there was a there was a show like that that um, that's on Discovery. Oh, what's it called? Um, where this guy it, uh, is it? Oh, it's Restaurant Impossible. Um, where this guy goes to these different restaurants that are failing. 
and he they like set up like cameras to watch like their normal daily routine and he figures out what's going on they have like you know their their uh tables and chairs their decorations are way out of date their menu is awful it's it's you know they have the too many cooks in the kitchen and you know they have all these different things and there's it's gets into this really dramatic you know stuff that happens in the show but it's actually really entertaining and then at the end of the show they like remodel it and they have like you know some new people come in to help and they basically get it back and get it to where it needs to be um but yeah that i i definitely like shows like that um part of part of it's because i like watching people be terrible at their jobs and get in <laughs> trouble for it so yeah well that like i feel like both those shows are pretty uh similar to one another because that was that was, that was basically the, the the same premise with although i think kitchen nightmare is also because i think it was also combined at a certain extent where they would also show like hotel nightmares so like he would like gordon would go around and check out like all of these basically run down hotels uh that like basically serve food and you know the whole wine and dine experience thing and like it, it, there was one dude that essentially it, nothing that they were making in the like in the kitchen staff was none of it was actually made from them it was all proprietary it would be like they would like fly it in from like or like ship it in from somewhere else wow and it was just <laughs> like it's like what like what what why the hell are you paying like all of these you know line cooks and you know it's just like it's because it's all effectively just pre-made flown in anyway it's it, yikes yeah that yeah. that I, I would imagine that's on discovery plus i'll have to give that a, a check because i i've i've been curious into like gordon ramsay's stuff but i don't know if i've like actually i think there one what's the one competition that he's famous for um is it iron chef or is that or am i thinking of something else it's something like that that I've watched. Like, I think an he's done of. some stuff on Iron Chef in the past, but I know, I know predominantly he, he was he was more known for like Hell's Kitchen. Oh, that's um, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's just it, it, it it's funny because it's it's just again a, a lot of it is just very scripted in terms of interactions and shit but it oh yeah it, it, it all it, it really the, the appeal was just to see gordon freak out on people um, <laughs> but but you know what's funny though he he actually had for a brief period he had kind of a like a no reservation style show where he would just travel around to different places and like just try out different like different types of uh food and cuisine and everything and it was so weird at first to see him like be friendly towards people and like not be a complete piece of shit like on camera. <laughs> it was just, it took me. It was like I I was kind of taken aback by it at first. I was like, what what the It's like what am what am I watching? <laughs> it took me. Who body snatched Gordon Ramsay? <laughs> it's, it's basically the impression I got. It was so it was so weird at first, but it was actually it was really good though. I I, I don't know. 
I wonder if it was just like a budget constraint thing, but the he, show was actually really, really good. He basically tried um, to do uh, his own version of diners, drive-ins, and dives. <laughs> sort of. I again, I would, I would equate it more to uh, Anthony Bourdain, like no reservations. Gotcha. Uh, it was more of like a travel type. You know, not necessarily. I guess it would be a mini documentary type show. In some in some aspects. Yeah, I like watching shows like that. I, I mean, Triple D is one of my favorites. Um, but but just shows where they traveled from place to place, and you get to see the different types of foods that people make and the different cultures and and things like that. So, yeah, I'd uh I'd want to check that out too. But yeah, um. Welcome to Wired In, everyone, by the way. We're, oh, what? hi. <laughs> yeah, we're like, <laughs> what, almost 10 minutes in. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us today. We're kind of experimenting with this cold open for a show. Instead of doing the, hello, my name is Blake, son of Lance <laughs> of Mansfield. And Go this, through the whole this like, is... Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, whenever they introduce uh, oh, God, a Daenerys, whenever they're introducing her. They have this whole litany of, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Try to mix it up a little bit. And you, know, you just never know what you're going to hear us talk about. I mean, we could be talking about how, you know, the fact that Jews aren't really a race. They're, they're you know, they're more of a, the, the Holocaust, it, it wasn't really about race. It wasn't really about the Jews. It was just about man's inhumanity to man. If you're... Right. If you're Whoopi Goldberg, anyway, that's what you'd be talking about. So, I just, you know, it, it, and it the the real crazy thing about all that. So, for for those of you who are unaware, who've been living under a rock for the past like who who come on who doesn't watch <laughs> the View who doesn't read up on the right. latest Whoopi Goldberg you know well you know when you phrase it like that, um, <laughs> but um, but yeah so. Whoopi made a little bit of a whoopsie. <laughs> whoopsie Goldberg, yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah, whoop. See, that's okay. That that should be her new uh, nickname, uh, Whoopsie <laughs> Goldberg. I like that a lot. But so she got a little bit of some, you know, some heat, some trouble, some made of a bit of a boo boo. <laughs> yeah. So she, during one of her sec- segments on the View, I don't know how or why these senile you know elderly essentially elderly women at this point let's be honest the majority <laughs> of them you know they're 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 reaching that that number you you're know? telling me joy behar isn't in the prime <laughs> of her life right now you know maybe some maybe some plastic surgery jobs and then you know that'll do the trick but you know as of right now not not really um <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't necessarily say, um, but yeah, she during one of one of their segments on the View, Whoopi just decided to have a little bit of a mask off moment and claim that the Holocaust wasn't about race, but rather man's inhumanity to one another. Or what? What was the exact quote from man's her? man's inhumanity to man? <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, you're not wrong about man's inhumanity to man, but what was that based on? It was based on race. See, the, the, the little problem with that, though, is that 
Hitler did perceive the Jewish people as a no. race because he believed that the Aryan race needed to remain pure, that the Aryan blood needed to remain pure, and that by doing so, or that in order to keep it pure, they had to only breed with other Aryans. Therefore, they viewed the Jewish race as being impure, and that's why they, it's like, it's, <laughs> you, you know, it's so, basically it's so just funny need to, to me. open a textbook. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's so, this is like basic, I mean, shit that you learn in elementary. And it just goes to show for, for how often these crazy, deranged, hardcore extremists basically drone on about racism and, you know, inequality and oppression. But then they turn around and say the most wildly anti-Semitic shit I've ever heard in my life. And then, and then only to turn around and not be even remotely reprimanded or, you know, punished remotely for it. Yeah, so basically what happened after that is... Um, you know, I was seeing reports that once once they went to either commercial break or went off the air, uh, a couple of her co-hosts were like, "That was that was wrong of her to say that." And then I guess some like Disney insiders, ABC uh, insiders, executives, whatnot, are furious over it, want her to be fired. Then she gets suspended for two weeks, um, so she can take time to reflect on what she said. But you know, the interesting thing is. Uh, she she goes on Stephen Colbert's show, I think it was later that night, um, and she doubles down on what she says. She doesn't apologize for it. She repeats, pretty much repeats exactly what she said on and, The and View. The scary, and the scary thing is, is that Colbert just, he doesn't even stop her. He doesn't even, he, he so, kind of sort of contemplates it initially. And then he's just like, you know, uh, nope, I'm just going to go along with it. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like smiling and nodding. Like, sure, and, yeah, uh, whatever you say. Yeah. And then... And, and like, it's just so crazy that these are the people who are screaming about everyone else spreading misinformation. Exactly. That's a great point. The, these are it, the people that are so in, incensed at the idea that people want to listen to Joe Rogan over, you know, Brian Stelter over at CNN. Like, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and then she she has the audacity to get on Twitter, because I guess I, I'm certain her uh, agents or whatever told her to do this. She, she, she tweets out a quote-unquote apology, and she says that, you know, instead of... Instead of saying it's not about race, it's about man's inhumanity to man, I should have said it's about both. And it's like... Yeah, but at this point, does anyone really believe your apology? Because, I mean, you've said it multiple times at this point, and now all of a sudden, when more no, and more so, people are talking about it, now you're going to apologize? <laughs> so I believe she sent that before she went on Colbert. Oh, okay. Wow. I, I, could, I could be wrong about this, so take this with a, a grain of salt. But I'm like 90% positive that she sent that or made that tweet before she went on Colbert's show. So well, geez, like, if that's true, that's even worse. It's well, and it's just it, again, it it, 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 it and, and 
she'll try to deflect all of this by using the typical CRT defense that, oh, well, you know, I can't, you know, you know, power plus power plus privilege equals racism. And because I exist within one of the more oppressed uh, classes within the hierarchy, um, you know, I, I, I can't be racist. Yeah, it's, it's, because she she even says during the view thing that well it was really just white people against white people when she was talking about the the, i was like are you serious right now like (laughs) you know her her i think her career at this point is done um as as of this recording as of this recording i don't believe she's been fired yet but i have a hard time believing she won't be just because if nothing else, because she can no longer be on the view without people thinking about that from this point forward, because it, th- nothing anybody else says on that show is going to be able to overcome the fact that Whoopi Goldberg, who believes the Holocaust was about white people versus white people, is sitting there as one of the people on that panel you know she's like considered the (laughs) moderator of the group yeah and she's been there a long time i believe since i think since the beginning i I don't know how long the view's been around i don't pay attention to that but still she's been there a long freaking time so (laughs) well and i just i love too that you know they all have effectively made their careers off of calling other people to get canceled Mm -hmm. but the moment it happens to one of them they immediately lose their shit yeah. I, just, I just find that it's just so fitting. It's it, it's like poetry. It rhymes, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like poetry. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's so... It, it's, it's just... It's and the then whole, the whole thing is ridiculous. <laughs> well, and it's like, you know, a good part of me doesn't want her to get fired just because... I mean, again, the mask's already off. At this rate, I like. I just want to know what other crazy shit you believe. I'm like, yeah, let's let's pull, let's let's pull a chair out. Let's let's have a chat. Let's see yeah. what other. I might actually be more inclined shit. to watch the view if they keep her on, <laughs> just to see what else she says. Um, yeah, you know, generally speaking, I'm not a fan of firing people over saying something stupid. Um, you know, and I'm still kind of like eh on it just because, you know, if if people are if fired over something they say that's that's dumb, I mean, hardly anyone's going to have a talk show. Um, at the same time, though, like I'm not necessarily going to be going out there saying how dare ABC fire Whoopi Goldberg for saying these things either. So it's like, yeah, that, I mean, that, I'm certainly not going to lose sleep over it. Especially, you know, I understand, especially when it comes to like your brand and you have someone who's, who's a major voice on one of your, you know, supposedly big talk shows saying things like that. I understand wanting to protect your, your brand and kind of getting rid of whatever's, you know, staining it. So I understand that for sure. Um, but I think in this case, it does make a bit more sense to, uh, to fire her just because I mean, it, it, it's not just that too. I mean, the, uh, I guess from like 1993, this recipe that she came out with back in, yeah, back in 93 is dug up again. When you sent me this, I, I lost my mind. I genuinely, (laughs) I, is some of the most again if if 
if if there was any doubt of of Whoopi Goldberg being a blatant anti Semite, yeah, like, this is the this is the 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 bloody knife. You know what I mean? It's yeah. The, the smoking gun. Because there, there, she was like, "I'm not, I'm not anti-Semitic. I, that Whoopi's not anti-Semitic. This is just crazy." Oh, okay. So people obviously are going to be digging up stuff that you've done over the years. Well, someone found this, uh, this cookbook for charity that she contributed to called "Cooking in the Litchfield Hills," which came out in 1993. And Whoopi Goldberg, one, she contributed to this recipe book. So one of the recipes in this book. Is called Jewish American Princess Fried Chicken. Not even kidding you. That's the name of it. And uh, see, the the outlet obtained a cook a copy of the book. This is from the New York Post that contained instructions to cook dishes such as Diane Sawyer's roasted potato skins with scallion dip, and this other one. According to the book, the page for Goldberg's dish included some unfortunate humor. Send chauffeur to your favorite butcher shop for the chicken. Save the brown paper bag. Have your cook, one, melt equal parts oil and butter, three-fourths deep in skillet over moderate heat. Put flour seasoned with remaining ingredients into brown paper bag. Rinse chicken parts and place in bag. Then you tightly close top of bag, watch your nails, and shake ten times. Hand bag to cook. Go dress for dinner. While you dress, have cook preheat oven to 350 degrees and brown chicken slowly in skillet. Um... And then have cook prepare the rest of your meal while you touch up your makeup. Um, and then at the end, she she adds, in about half an hour, voila, dinner is served. You must be exhausted. Um, <laughs> so I just I can't. the Anti-Defamation League, which I'm nor- normally a fan of, uh, said that the recipe is insulting and anti-Semitic. But it's like, I mean... it. Apparently, I, I don't know if this was like a big story back in 1993 when it first came out, but I mean, it, it's I, I'm hard pressed to believe that nobody knew about this because I mean they keep saying it's resurfaced, so obviously it's made some waves before. But I mean, clearly, just based on how old that recipe is, this is not the first time that she has gotten herself into hot water for saying something a little, a little insensitive. Yeah, it's just, you know, and and, and and again, I know this was, I'm sure this was all done as a gig mm-hmm. or, a, or as a bit during the 90s, but this is still a little too spicy, even for like 90s style humor, you know? Yeah. And it's just, but you know, I think all of this just really, it just, if nothing else, I mean, aside from the fact that Whoopi is just a blatant piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's that. I mean, if if this really shows nothing else, it just highlights the double standard mm-hmm. that exists. I mean, when Gina Carano basically just just had the audacity, the sheer audacity to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't allow the government and, and the media particularly to have us pit against to, to have us pit each other against one another mm-hmm. because she had the gall to say that she ends up getting fired fired from her job and not not even like a suspension not even a review just full-blown fired immediately but yep. you have Whoopi goldberg out here saying 
the most staunch anti-Semitic shit I've ever heard anyone say publicly ever. And she gets, what, a, a two-week suspension? I, I think this is what she's on right now. Well, I mean, it's it's time to reflect, Spencer. She just needs to sit there, reflect on, on what she said, which some would argue she's already done that, which is why she said it in the first place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she clearly... I mean, she she went hard into this with her original statement on The View. Clearly, if you listen to that, she has put some thought into that. And not much thought, but some thought. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not like she just randomly threw it out there without thinking about it. Like, she she's obviously had these kinds of conversations before um, with people, probably behind the scenes. Um, but, yeah, it for me, it's, you know, and I mean this honestly, it's not even the statement itself that that bothers me it it does but it's that's not the big thing that gets me with this whole thing it's just like we've talked about the double standard of you know and and not even just you know being outraged at people for listening to talk shows and other forms of media for their news and information it's it's this idea that you know we spent the past four years essentially, and, and are still doing so, referring to Trump as a racist, as an evil, you know, anti-Semite. They called him an anti-Semite, too, even though his daughter is Jewish. Um, and and yet, I mean, it's just been relentless. And then... Oh, but but don't you know? And Jews then, are white people, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's amazing, too, especially when you consider <laughs> one of the people that was most antagonistic towards Trump and called him a racist was... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and yet she's now out with this statement about Whoopi Goldberg saying, oh, you shouldn't suspend her. It's time to move on. It's no big deal. Let's just move on. And it's like, it, that That to me is what gets me more than anything else. It's it, And I think, you know, most people see through it, but it's just the fact that this show is even on the air. Not talking about Wired In, that's pretty obvious. But, I mean, The View <laughs> is still on the air. It's like, uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you even make of, of that? How could you not see it as you've got these elites that live by a totally separate standard of rules than everybody else does? You know, that, that, that's, that's what gets under my skin. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, I think... All of this, I feel, at, at a certain point, people have just gotten tired of it all. They've just gotten... They're sick and tired of having to deal with this constant double standard, this constant, you know, rules for thee but not for me sort of ment well, mentality and also just... And also... I'm trying to look for the right term here, but but effectively just the fact that all of basically the legacy media and you know these mega media conglomerates can just basically plat continue to just bail out these insane, deranged, radical people, um, but then turn around and banhammer other people who fall slightly out of line of the the group think the the approved narrative of what is allowed for their 
employees or actors or whatever their their staff to say um it's just and, and i think it, that whole aspect has seeped into regular discourse and the people who are parroting all of that um particular particularly the the, the the extreme left end of the spectrum that continue to champion, you know, uh, anti-racism, continue to champion uh, for, you know, equality, continue to champion for, you know, fighting oppression, but yet they, they continue to make justifications and create all these special exemptions for... <laughs> the, the, the people doing who, who people doing all of the shit being guilty for all of these same supposed crimes that they accuse the other end everybody else of being supposedly guilty of um it's just it's it's ridiculous yeah it, it's it's basically the same story different day kind of scenario where we're constantly seeing um and, yeah, exactly. You know, it is nice seeing people wake up to it, which again I think is why you've got shows like Joe Rogan's and others, uh, you know, that are doing so well is because people don't want to watch these elite shows anymore. These elitist types in the the mainstream media, they, they're they're tired of it. They you know they they've had enough of the double standard. I mean, we there's been polls released over the past I don't know decade or two showing the approval rating for the media and it's just it's it's like what four percent i don't even remember it's it's always like really low and i don't see it getting any better um but yeah that's uh that's where well, see, we're at I, on I feel that like i feel like we've we've been marching down this inevitable path inevitable path for a long time in that you know most people don't want to really tune into the like to members of legacy media or you know these you know you know ha has been celebrity figureheads right yeah. um it, you know if, well we can we can go early, as early back as the days of the adpocalypse right um you know whenever all of that went down uh that was basically that was basically a lot of like legacy media and these, you know, media bigger media conglomerates, basically pulling advertising, basically, essentially influencing YouTube to prioritize their content in terms of uh, search-based algorithms to you know funnel all advertising and things of that nature to be prioritized towards you know whether it be hell whether it be like late night shows with like you know colbert or um you know seth myers or, or you know, whoever or you know just general news news channels like you know you have M msnbc uh i mean cbs you know, right? and yeah, yeah it's ABC. like anything involving news because like back then on like especially on youtube you know you just have individual content creators just covering segments or stories and those videos would get 
10 times more views. Mm-hmm. Just insane more traffic than, you know, than MSNBC or Fox or CNN or whoever, right? Um, but then once the adpocalypse happened, it seemed like the entire shift, the entire um, landscape, if you will, in terms of, you know, YouTube traffic towards news-based content specifically, it all shifted towards, um, you know, basically, you know, the legacy media. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's crazy. It, that's, that's about all you can say about that. Um, and I think that's, that's a good segue into, uh, this, this next, next topic. Have you, have you been keeping up with the Olympics at all? You seem like a guy that, you know, would want to know all the ins and outs of, uh, you know, the, the figure skaters and the gymnastics and the so I'm skiers. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret. All right. Not many people know about it, but you know, I figured I, I drop it here. First, oh wow! Right? Exclusive. Wow, I like that. All right, you ready for this? It's really gonna blow your mind. Okay, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm sitting here on the edge of my seat. I totally forgot the Olympics were happening. No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't been keeping up with any of it at all. Like I, I legitimately, <laughs> like, like, because cause you were mentioning to you were mentioning a little bit of it to me like off air and i was like i yeah i'm gonna be real <laughs> I, <laughs> well I, hey this will be great then because yeah. you'll be able to learn some things today and you'll you'll feel oh. bad for missing out you'll feel terrible for missing great. out. great I'm, I'm excited it, yeah the, the olympics is never drenched in controversy ever so no well, you know, I I think the best way to if you really want people to stick around for your Olympics, you've got to start off strong with a really solid opening ceremony. And let me tell you, I watched some of that and I almost wanted to go and uh, pledge my allegiance to President G. I mean, that's pretty much how it, how it was for uh I mean, that's not actually what well, that happened. Well, went to, from zero to a hundred real quick. You know? Well, I mean, you know, he, he's he's such a great leader. You know, he he is he is a man of the people. Um, he is the kind of guy that will get things done. <laughs> he will get things done. Uh, yeah. So I it, suppose that's true in a way. It, yeah, depending on how you look at it, yeah. it's you know. But yeah, it, it was the total propaganda fest. I mean, not super surprising, but like. You know, they, uh, one of my favorite parts was they, so they get the, they get the Chinese flag out, right? Cause they're the ones hosting in Beijing and they get, you know, all the Chinese people that are holding the, the flag, the big old Chinese flag out and it's part of the, you know, ceremony and whatnot. And, uh, you know, they they got all happy faces and they're so thrilled to be representing their country and, they got all this stuff happening and it just they make everything look oh china is just such a happy place to be and you just gotta love it there and uh, apparently one of i can't remember what country they're from but apparently one of the reporters i don't know if they had said something critical of the chinese government but they got hauled off by the uh by the government um while he was on the air because he was uh, not saying things that were uh, state approved, apparently. So uh, that that was that was great. That was really great. 
Wait, so that happened like, uh, d- like during the middle, like like on air. That happened. I don't know if it was like mid sentence, but yeah, it happened while they were talking <laughs> oh about God. it. They hauled him away. That is um, crazy. Yeah, and I, I I love this too because it, it's nice knowing that you know when we're talking about legacy media, it's it's really comforting to know that legacy media is is on the side of you know calling out. Um, you know, their human rights violations and the, and the genocide and, and so forth. So, um, Savannah Guthrie, who I think is, a NBC, MSNBC, uh, reporter, commentator, whatnot. Um, she, she was commenting on this incident. Um, so they, they, they light the Olympic flame. That's, mm. that's one of the things they always do. And I guess, uh, the Chinese decided to get one of the, I don't even know how you pronoun- pronounce it, one of the Uyghurs, um, one of the Uyghur people, that the ones that Oh, are, the Uyghurs? The Uyghurs, yeah. She, they got yeah. a Uyghur athlete <laughs> the Uyghur, oh, to, no. to light the Olympic flame. And Savannah Guthrie, again, an American NBC comment, uh, commentator, she goes, well, yeah, this was... The, this move was obviously an in-your-face response to Western nations, including the United States, who have called Chinese treatment of that group genocide. Oh my God! Yeah, and uh, she got she got raked over the coals online for it. Um, well, deservedly so. But yeah, so yeah, they they literally they get a a, a Uyghur uh, athlete to light the flame, saying, "Hey, no, everything's totally." totally fine there's there's no genocide going on here no imprisonment of these people at all and uh yeah oh my god yeah it's it has been an absolute crap show (laughs) since the beginning um and then this one just this one just gets under my skin like even more than the propaganda propaganda you just expect it but this just ah i was talking to spencer about this off the air um, so apparently there is this, uh, she's a U.S. citizen. I don't know if she was born in the U.S., but she is a U.S. citizen. I think it's, I think you pronounce it Eileen Gu. Um, she, she's born in the, or, well, she's a U.S. citizen again, but she's competing for the Chinese in the, in the, uh, Olympics. I think she's a, uh, freestyle skier and she's a model apparently, but yeah, she's, um she's 18 years old and she is competing um for for china in the beijing olympics and i guess she's in like the finals or something in her in her sport um after like doing this disastrous uh uh she did like this flip or whatever and she landed a couple times wrong and she totally flopped but apparently she was able to come back and get into the finals but i guess she was asked about why is she competing for china in this and she says basically uh in the u.s growing up i had so many amazing idols to look up to but in china i feel like there are a lot fewer of those i'd have a much greater impact in china than in the u.s and that's ultimately why i made that decision and i guess she's got family that lives there um and grew up there so she feels like hey i want to be a role model for people in china which on the surface, yeah, I I understand I'm that. that she and her family didn't get dragged off to the gulag for. Uh, well, that yeah, statement. that's the thing. Like, it's like no, 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 everything's fine. We have plenty of 
fine role models for children to look up to. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I wonder why they don't have a whole lot of people to look up to over there. I mean, the, the see, and that's the thing. Like, for me, it's not even, you know, the, the, the concept of playing for a different country because that's where your family's from and you just want to give people a role. I, you know, that that basic concept I don't really have an issue with. It's the fact that, A, this country that she's playing for is China. Um, B, the fact that she is a U.S. citizen and doesn't seem to have a problem for playing with playing for a country that has a known history of, you know, locking people up for uh, saying negative things about the government. Um, has now, you know, in a controversy of, you know, reported genocide of of certain uh, protesters like that to me is what's like you know i I mean she's 18 so you know they're typically not the brightest at that age but still she's got a head on her shoulders she should know Uh, i don't know just there's so many things about this story that just kind of rubs me the wrong way that uh, yeah again i think it's just more of the whole it'd be like it'd be the equivalent if like if i had family that lived in Ireland and I was like training for the Olympics but I like had a a US citizenship here and then I just randomly decided you know what I'm gonna compete for Ireland it's like (laughs) I mean like I mean I guess yeah like I have family there but it would be it would be I don't know it it, it would seem weird to me because I'm yeah like you know I'm an American I'm not you know, I'm not Irish, right? Like, <laughs> it would be, you know, like, even even if I, again, this is all hypothetical, I, I actually don't have family in Ireland, but it's like, but it's like, even still, it's like, yeah, just because I have family there doesn't mean, like, I'm Irish, you know, like, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, I feel like I would consider myself an American in that context, and it would just be weird, especially when, when you, you know, kind of contrast that with competing for china you know it, it it would just be i i feel like if i again just kind of putting myself in that situation more or less but it's like i feel like if i was in that situation where i'd grown up in the u.s and supposedly had family in china and like I just, it would just be weird to compete for a country that i'm not really from yeah you know I don't know. It, it just it just seems odd to me. Um. Yeah, and I, I get it's it's the Olympics. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but it's just I don't know the optics of it for me. Just really is just strange. Um, but yeah, I, that that that's something to be proud of. So and maybe hey, maybe she'll uh, eventually play for for the u.s down the road if she does well we'll see <laughs> wouldn't that be wouldn't that be wonderful oh man so uh you got anything else on your plate that you uh have been just aching to to talk about on this show because th- i've said i think i've said it before this show is therapy this this is if you've got some grievances that you need to get off your chest that this is the place to do it this this is where people go to get therapy is wired in. I, I feel bad for any sorry soul that uses our show as a means of of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that may um, honestly explain why our why uh, if our numbers dwindle, that may explain why is because 
her therapy Man. is not working. <laughs> Semantics. But um but no, I, I uh it's gonna be a pretty hard pivot, but um but I, I did want to chat a little bit about the uh PlayStation Bungie acquisition. Oh um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which happened I I think about last week now, yeah. It would have been would have been happened last week, but um but yeah, so I want to say PlayStation bought out Bungie for about $3, three billion or so, around, around that figure. And a lot of people have been pretty critical of the acquisition, and for good reason. Um, especially after the fact that Microsoft made what is arguably like the biggest acquisition in possibly business history ever. Um, with acquiring Activision, but, um, but but it, but it makes sense because with Destiny two, well, with Destiny in general as a like uh, as a model more or less, right? Like you, you know you, you have a, a constant string because because this is effectively where the gaming industry is going to go, right? It's all going to be games as a live service model, so. It makes sense that they would go after... I mean, I don't know. I, I certainly don't think that Bungie is necessarily worth $3 billion worth of... You know, you know what I mean? In terms of what they have to offer in terms of IPs. But uh, uh, but definitely in terms of like their, their business model and stuff, it, it makes sense because they want to they wanna acquire IPs that regularly make money, right? That continue to generate like sales from microtransactions and uh, DLC content and things of that nature. Um, Didn't uh, Bungie originally make Halo back in the day yes. before it went to 343? Yes. And, okay. and that's kind of been the whole meme. It's like, you know, it's because, because again, Bungie doesn't really have the rights to Halo, obviously, because, um, you know, three four threes making Halo titles now, for better or for worse, um, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So again, I I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but I just I feel like I, or more so, I hate that that acquisitions have essentially become the new norm in terms mm-hmm. of when it comes to gaming. I, I think this is really going to stifle any form of incentive for these dev studios to compete with one another. Because if everything, again, if everything exists under the corporate umbrella, you know, what what motive is there for any of these companies to deliver a solid product or improve upon you know, a game that they've released in a not-so-great state, right? Um, there's there's nothing really there in, in terms of, like, an enforcement mechanism to really, you know, kind of provide any ounce of, you know, QC when it pertains to modern game development. Um, and, and, and again, we, like... If you just, I mean, all you have to do is just take a look at Halo Infinite, right? The monetization in that game is just staunch. And it really seems like that is the model Microsoft wants to use for 
a majority of their games going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's just all of this is going to seep its way into everything. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned about incentive because, you know, something that I was thinking of when you, when you were explaining that, Sony and Microsoft, yeah, they're, they're typically considered the top two, like, you know, the, the, the main ones that make the consoles that people buy. I mean, obviously there's Nintendo, but Nintendo is kind of different. But as far as like, you know, the main the main ones that people, you know, get the most excited for are typically Xbox and PlayStation. But the, the thing the thing is, these companies, Sony and Microsoft, don't just make their money from these consoles. They, they make a whole bunch of other items and other things that people buy. So... You know, I think one of the stories about the Microsoft acquisition that they paid like what almost seven billion dollars for that for that acquisition, and people are like, wow, how are they going to make that back? Well, consider the fact that Microsoft makes computers, they make software, they make you know all kinds of other things aside from Xbox. I mean, they they were they were a very wealthy corporation before Xbox was even a thing, and they still are. So. Again, even if these studios that they're buying for these games aren't making super successful games that everybody likes, it's really not a huge deal because, again, they're it, they're not simply relying on hardware and physical game purchases for their profits. They're also getting money from you know, microtransactions, uh, subscription services for their games, um, and then the other products that they make completely separate from games so it's like when you're when you're already established as a major corporation as a major you know product developer if you will i mean it's again like you were saying it's the incentive to make high quality games i'm not saying that they won't make any good games but again what what's what's to prevent them from just okay we need we just need to pump this out it doesn't really need to be as great as some want it to be just get it out there and we'll make some money off of it you know what i mean so yeah because like again i'm sure i'm sure ed will continue to make really solid doom games right like doom 2016 and doom eternal were, were really solid releases mm-hmm. um you know i'm sure i'm trying to remember precisely who it is that makes um who it is precisely that makes the Dishonored games, but I'm sure you know they'll continue to make more Dishonored. I think it's Arcane, right? I'm fairly uh, positive it's Arcane. I have, to, um, I have to look that up, but I think you might be right. But but I'm sure they'll make more like really solid, similar Dishonored style type games. Um, yeah, Arcane. Know, like, I, I'm sure. I like again. It's one of those like there will never be good content, like good AAA content made ever, but. I think it's just going to radically change. I mean, it effectively already has, um, like because like we've kind of slowly, we've kind of slowly been marching to this, like inevitably. But I feel like these acquisitions have just accelerated it tenfold, mm-hmm. and so the, I think just the. The nature of gaming is really going to change rapidly um, over the next course over over the course of the next couple of years. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a fair way of looking at it. Um, I'd love to be proven wrong, but I just don't. I mean, and plus it's like, you know, normally you say, well, that's why I play my games on PC. Well, the problem with that is it seems like more and more the direction that these places are going is to put these games that you normally play on a console on a PC. And if they're requiring more studios and more game developers, um, you know, how long is it going to be before there just aren't that many games to play on the PC that aren't part of this Sony, Microsoft, you know, multi-ownership if you will. So yeah, well, it, yeah, because because again, from from Microsoft's angle, they like they've stopped really giving a shit about console wars at this point, and at this rate, all they care about is making the most amount of money possible. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I could very well see because like again, Microsoft is already you know with with the Activision Activision acquisition. Um, They've already said that Call of Duty is going to remain a multi-platform game. So, that's not really changing. So, I, I think, I mean, hell, I could even see... Because I know initially Microsoft was claiming that Elder Scrolls Six was going to be, you know, a Microsoft exclusive. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, if it's going to make the amount of money that it's, you know, arguably projected that it's going to make... I don't see why they would keep it locked to specifically just, you know, Xboxes and PC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could I could see them kind of, you know, turning that around a little bit closer to release. Say, well, actually, we'll make it cross cross platform because I mean that would bring in the most revenue if, if people could play it on other systems. Yet yeah, you still get ultimately the money for it, like. Yeah, I, I I hate seeing that. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me in, in a way of uh, of Disney and how they've acquired so many different studios. Um, it's like you know they've they've made some good good content across like Marvel and Star Wars and Pixar and you know other you know Twentieth Century Fox I guess which is now under Disney. They've made some good things, but at the same time, they're already insanely wealthy company. So. You know, why do they, that's why they keep, you know, pumping out the remakes and pumping out, you know, hey, we haven't seen this movie in 10, 15 years, let's remake it, you know, because they don't need to make anything yeah, original exactly. because people are just going to buy it anyway. So I, 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 I totally agree. I think that's going to kind of seep into the gaming industry where, you know, they don't really need to pump out anything that people really want. They could just pump out something, you know, let's let's just make another Madden. Let's just make another Call of Duty that isn't really different at all from the previous one. It's different, maybe some different maps, but the same basic game, and we'll charge people $70 for it, and they'll still buy it, <laughs> you know? I mean, they're already doing that, so... Yeah, I, I hope it really doesn't get to a point where people are incapable of, of railing against that, but... Yeah, it, again, and like when when you especially when you have things like Game Pass that you know the buy-in rate is so low, you you're kind of like at a certain rate, you know, if you if you incentivize people enough to to lower their standards it, it, by allowing them to play games at such a cheap 
price, um, it, it makes me wonder how much people are willing to forego their typical standards for what they would look for in a game so long as they're able to just access games for a low price in general. Um, and again, like, I'm not saying, like, that's inherently a bad thing, like, right? Like, like, because, like, again, Game Pass is, like, the best deal in terms of, you know, bang for your buck, right? Like, you can, you can play an insane amount of games for, you know, what, $10, $15 a month if you do the, the, the higher tier subscription. And you get to play um, online. Yeah, that's Live chat, all that stuff. I mean, I mean it, it, we've talked about it on the show before. It is it is a pretty valuable thing if if you're already in that, you know, ecosystem and you want you want to keep playing games but you don't want to fork over $60, $70 each time you want to play a new game. That's a great way to do it, especially if there's, you know, these these certain uh studios that have exclusives with xbox or you know is is going to be out on xbox and you get to play it on game pass as soon as it releases that's that's definitely a an incentive Mm -hmm. but uh long term uh, i guess we'll see what happens but uh this is uh i think we're gonna look back on this on this show and be like yeah told (laughs) you you know we were we were concerned, but we do appreciate you guys tuning in to uh, Wired In. I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Got into pretty much all the, the big stories that are taking place in our world today. But uh, the cancer that's happening online right now. Yeah, we've, we've, di- <laughs> we've diagnosed the disease. Now we're yeah. going to leave. And you can deal with the repercussions. <laughs> But uh, we do appreciate you again uh, taking the time out of your day. And if you would, be sure to give us a like and a follow on whatever platform you listen to us on, be it Spotify, Google, Apple, all the all the major platforms. We're on all of them. And uh, we will catch you back next time. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. Take care, everybody. Bye.